Some topics discussed on Blackbird and Advocacy Podcast can be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. In June 2017, Manchester United Kingdom graduate student Reynard Senaga was arrested for raping multiple young men. At just five foot seven with a slim build, Senaga did not look like a typical serial predator. But as we know, sexual assault is all about power and control. Especially being the small build that he was, it is no surprise that he attempted to gain that control and power over people by drugging them. Hailing from Indonesia, Sinaga completed a degree in architecture at the Faculty of Engineering of the University of Ind- Indonesia in Depok in 2006. He then moved to the United Kingdom on a student visa and began studying at the Manchester University in August of 2007. He completed a Master of Science in 2009 and a Master of Arts in 2011. Upon graduating with these degrees, he remained in Manchester and began studying at Leeds University for a PhD in August of 2012. And this degree would have been in human geography. However, he did not complete the degree. His thesis, which was entitled Sexuality and Everyday Transnationalism Among South Asian Gay and Bisexual Men in Manchester, was submitted in August 2016, but was assessed as a fail. He then was permitted to amend the thesis and resubmit it, and was actually working on it during his arrest. Sinega was an openly gay man who lived in central Manchester, and that is where the assaults took place. He essentially would wait for men leaving nightclubs and bars, and then he would lead them to his apartment and offer them uh, a drink or to call a taxi. And... When he would give them that drink, it was believed to have been spiked with GHB. He would then wait for his victims to become unconscious and would rape them on video that he would record on his cell phone. It's said that he rarely used condoms and he was found, thankfully, to not be infected with any um, STIs, so thankfully was not able to transmit anything to his victims. His attacks took place between the years 2015 and 2017, and when he was arrested, he thankfully was convicted of 159 sex offenses, including 136 rapes. This was for drugging and sexually assaulting 48 men during this period, 44 of whom were raped 
some repeatedly. And the police do believe that he was offending for years prior to them finding out of uh, the first in 2015. Now, we have talked about the difference between sexual assault and rape. And um, the reason that he was brought up on 159 different sex offenses with with um, one, uh, 136 being rapes of only 44 men is because he did repeatedly rape them. So every time he penetrated essentially was um, one count of rape. So that's why there were so many. Um, he's said to be England's um, most prolific serial rapist. Police had never seen anything as heinous as um, Sinega's case. Because there were so many counts brought against him he actually had four different trials and for a while um under uk law he was not able to be identified in the media so people didn't actually know who he was until i believe his fourth trial is when the media was finally able to uh, identify him and show the world essentially who this man actually was but his victims were able to be complaining witnesses at the trials so they were able to see him there some of them decided that they did want to face him and um you know testify to the fact that he he raped them And a lot of these men, um, actually the majority of them, I think, save for three of them, were heterosexual men. And Seneca said that it was a game for him to try to turn heterosexual men um, into homosexual men. So he found this to be a, a sort of sport or game And again, it was a lot about control. He wanted to have this pride of of turning these men into something that they're fundamentally not. Um, So it was a challenge for him, which he enjoyed. And that's really scary that he had this mindset of, I just, I want to play a game, essentially. So he would find heterosexual men get them intoxicated and drugged and then wait for them to become unconscious some of the men had actually said at trial um that when they were approached by police in in the matter of this case they did not remember anything that happened on the night of their attacks and they did not even recognize Seneca and this was because they were drugged. Um, they essentially were given a, a substance that made them forget everything. It, it kind of gives them amnesia um, for the time that it's in their system. So when the police arrived to question them, they said that they really didn't believe that they were a part of this and that the police must have had the wrong people. And it wasn't because of shame or embarrassment at that point. It was because they truly didn't know that this happened to them. 
And it wasn't until the police showed them stills from uh, their attacks, from the videos that Senegal had recorded, that they realized that they were, in fact, victims. So I, I can't imagine having that be the way that I find out that something like that has happened. Um, you know, I, I've said in other episodes where we've talked about drugging victims and, and them not remembering anything that happened. I, I don't, I don't know if I would want to find out, <laughs> um, you know, it's different for other people. So I, I would really, I would want to know your guys' opinions as well. You know, would you want to know um, that something like this happened and, and how do you feel you would react if you were told that this happened to you when you had no idea that it did? It must be a really scary, jarring experience. Um, and I commend these men for for coming forward and saying, yeah, you know what? I, I see that there is evidence that I was assaulted and I am going to speak up about it. Because as we discussed in the Sam Thompson episode... It's extremely difficult for any rape victim to come forward, but for men especially because of the, you know, the masculinity and the pride aspect and society saying that men don't go through this. Um, and if they do, they must be gay. And that's not at all the case. Um, it can happen to anybody, anywhere, by anybody. And the way that Sinaga was able to get away with this again was because he was drugging these people. Um, you know, these were not willing participants in any sense of the, of the word. There was no consent given in any of these instances, which is why he was convicted. Um, so I, I commend them all for, for coming forward and feeling like they needed to speak up about what had happened to them. The earliest offense that they were able to get on record to charge Senaga with was an offense that occurred on New Year's Day in 2015. The survivor in this instance was heterosexual, as I mentioned, was the majority of Senaga's victims. And he said that he could not remember anything that happened when he woke up the next day. He had no idea how he had gotten into Seneca's apartment, why he was there, what had happened the night before. And again, this was all because of the GHB in his system. And he never thought that he had been raped. And unfortunately, that night he had been raped twice. So Seneca was, of course, pleading not guilty to all the charges that were posed against him. And due to this, not only did his complaining witnesses, the, the victims and survivors themselves have to come and testify against Seneca, which again, I commend them so, so greatly for that. But they also had to endure watching their sexual assaults unfold on video and see others witness it because the jurors had to watch these videos as part of the evidence. So not only did they have to recount what they could remember 
of their experiences, but they had to actually essentially relive it by watching these videos. And it's so, so difficult for a survivor to have to continuously relive the experience that has probably traumatized them so greatly. And then again, to add the shame to it, which there should not be, but of course people feel that way because now other people are watching such an intimate moment, such a traumatizing moment. Um, and they really, they can't do anything about it. It just, it has to be because that's the way that the court proceeding has to happen for evidence to be shown to the jury for them to come to their conclusion. So as I mentioned, Sinaga had four trials and these all took place at staggering times with different amounts of victims. So the first of the four was June 1st to July 10th, 2018, and that covered 13 victims. His second trial was April 1st to May 7th, 2019, and that covered 12 of his victims. Third trial was September 16th to October 4th, 2019, and that covered 10 of the victims. And his fourth and final trial was December 2019, and that covered 13 victims with a total of 48 named victims out of at least what they actually believed was 206 uh, rapes that occurred while people were unconscious. Um, police said that they actually were unable to trace 70 of his victims. So whether that be they were not able to find them completely or they were not willing to um, come forward and, and you know, report or whatever the case is. So there were many, many other victims. They just could not, um, unfortunately, find them. However, Sinaga was convicted of 136 counts of rape, 14 counts of sexual assault, eight counts of attempted rape, and one count of assault by penetration. Um, in the first two trials, he was given 88 concurrent life sentences with a minimum of 30-year term before being considered for parole. So he has 30 years in prison and then he will be up for parole. Um, this was actually raised in December 11th, 2020. So just recently to 40 years by the court of appeals. So again, he's going to be in prison for a minimum of 40 years. So he'll be about 78, almost 80, I believe. Um, late 70s uh, before he's even allowed to speak to the parole board, come up for parole. So it's very unlikely that he will be getting out of prison and he shouldn't, period. I mean, he shouldn't even have parole on his sentence, but he does. Uh, but we can pretty much assume that he's not going he's not going anywhere. One thing I did want to point out about the uh, judge in this trial, Suzanne Goodard, she remarked at his sentencing after his second trial, quote, it is almost beyond belief that someone who could profess some Christian faith could at the same time have been committing such wicked and evil crimes. 
end quote. And of course, that reminds me, as I'm sure it reminds all of you, about what the judge said to Ted Bundy at his trial. And, you know, the two of them are not very dissimilar from one another in the sense that they are both probably psychopaths <laughs> um, or at least sociopaths. And uh, they did both commit horrendous, heinous crimes that should never have been committed. There is no reason for Sinaga to have done what he did. And I'm going to say it a million times probably during this episode, but I commend these men for coming forward, for testifying, for sitting through the trial and watching this all unfold and really wanting to get the justice they deserved. And unfortunately, again, it, it forced them to have to, you know, watch these things happen to them over and over. But again, it, it maybe helped a little bit, um, with processing trauma. Um, you know, we, we can try to find the silver lining as much as we can in these cases. And I think that that maybe is something that came out of it, hopefully. Um, one good thing that did come out of this trial happening is that Sam Thompson, who we discussed two episodes ago, when he heard uh, of this case, he wanted to speak up about his own um, his own rape. And I think that that's an incredible thing. And again, that's why we do this. We do this podcast to bring to light the many, many, many cases that need to be discussed and need to be heard and hope that because they are being heard, people who have endured similar actions and similar crimes will feel more comfortable coming forward because too many times these things are swept under the rug or they're not reported or something happens and it just never get, sees the light of day. And it makes people believe that these things don't happen as often as they do. They happen so frequently. It's it's absurd. Um, I mean, we've said before, the statistic is in in the U.S. at least every 73 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted. That's a little over a minute. That That's that's terrifying. And it happens that often to any single person. It can be a child, an adolescent, a teen, an adult. I mean, you name it, um, any gender any race, anywhere in the United States, mainly by people that are known to the victim. But again, there are, of course, cases that happen where the perpetrator is not known to the victim. And it happens to men also. Um, there, There is no specific victim profile of who is who is going to be a victim of sexual assault. It can be anybody. And because this case came to the forefront and they talked about the fact that this was a man who was sexually assaulting men 
And it did not mean that these men were gay. It did not turn them like Seneca was attempting to do. Sam Thompson felt he needed to voice what happened to him. And he felt empowered to do so. And he felt more comfortable in doing so because he knew that it happened to so many other people. He didn't feel alone. And that's what we're here for. We are here to hopefully let you all know that you are not alone in whatever you have gone through. Not only this, but the charity SafeLine reported a record increase in calls to its hotline for male sexual abuse survivors when the aftermath of this synagogue case happened. So again, many, many people were hearing that they were not the only ones. They were not alone in in their trauma, in their experiences. So they felt they could raise their voices finally. So that is it for today's episode. It is quite a short one, but there isn't really much information other than what I have uh, said in this episode about this Sinaga case mainly because it is a sexual assault case and uh, we don't know who the complaining uh, witnesses were, who the survivors were. Um, And that goes for many, many sexual assault cases. So we don't really have a lot of information, um, which also is because of the UK or British law. Um, You know, the media doesn't really get a lot of information about the the cases at hand when it comes to this kind of thing. So that's about it. But of course, I will put in the show notes all of the references where I got all of my information and you can do maybe a deeper dive if you want to. But, you know, we really just like to bring these cases to the forefront just to let people know, as I mentioned, that these are not isolated incidents and they do happen, unfortunately, very often and they can happen to anybody. So if you have gone through something like this, know that you are not alone in in what you have have gone through. There are other people out there who have gone through similar experiences. And so with that, if you or someone you know has a story you would like to share on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. You can Find us on all of our social medias and all podcast platforms through our bite size, B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E dot M-E slash Blackbird Advocacy. And this is episode 46. So our 50th episode is coming up rather quickly. And we have a few um, entries to share why people are advocates Uh, to put in that episode, but we would really love to hear from more of you. So if you would like to send us a 10 to 20 second uh, clip, audio clip of why you are an advocate, please, please do so. We want to put it in. We want to give the platform over to a lot of our listeners and survivors if you are one. Um, If you don't feel comfortable sharing it via audio clip, then you can, of course, just send us a little paragraph and I will read it on the episode myself for you. So we really hope we'll get some more of those. Uh, Entries are due on the 28th because that episode should be out on the 30th. So if you could get those to us, 
ASAP, that would be great. Again, you can email it to blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. And that should be it. So with that, please be safe, be aware of your surroundings, continue to social distance, and get your vaccination when you can. See you for episode 47, hopefully with Dan this time. Thanks.